the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Well, folks, welcome again. Uh, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We are always so pleased when you join us here on AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in uh, our beloved Orlando. Uh, Pete Paquette wears many hats around this station, but he is engineering today. Andrew Hertaliska produces the show for us each weekend. And Ray Light is standing by in Annapolis, Maryland. He's the author of Maturing Into Yourself. Ray, uh, welcome to Central Florida. I hope you're doing well. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks so much for having me. Maturing Into Yourself, uh, what, what does that mean? Uh, that's how you open your book. Uh, explain that. Yeah, it, it's, it's come about from working with thousands and thousands of clients. Uh, some of my coaching clients, and, and them getting healing but not knowing how to walk it out. And it's really the difference between healing is, is you're no longer hurting and suffering and fear, shame, and guilt. You can be in freedom, peace, and joy now, but you actually don't know how to be you. So you haven't been doing that for a while. You've been doing this other thing. So it's the process of you being able to take personal responsibility for your own emotions, your own thoughts, your own actions, and grow into the fullness of, of who God created you to be. Then you move to this topic, recalibration process. You're going to have to explain that. Well, well it, this, this is something I had to explain that I didn't always understand myself when I first started working with people. But when, when people get freedom and healing, it feels weird. It, it's almost like you just got off a boat or you just got done skating. Your, your heart was in this unstable space where you were stuck in lies and suffering, you know, unresolved trauma. But then, then God comes in and redeems that area, heals it for you, and now you're standing on solid ground in your heart. But it feels weird, and you have to get used to this new experience of not having the old baggage, per se. Let's keep moving. Topic mm-hmm. three is called awareness. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, well, it's, well, it's after the recalibration. It's like it's, it's, it's kind of getting aware of this new feeling. You actually become aware of the patterns and the habits in your life that were a problem. You can see dysfunctional issues in, your, in yourself and in others and the relationships you have established. And it's, that's part of the process, which is part. It's a great breakthrough because now you can see the dysfunctions. Now you can do something about it. Explain to us um, old tools. That's your next topic. 
Yeah, well, I also talk about, you know, some of those, you know, the, getting to the old tools. And this Maturing Into Yourself book that I wrote is like a follow-up to the identity restoration book I wrote, which is the healing process, really, on how to actually repent and forgive and believe and get to know who you are. But the old tools are those things, the fear, the shame, the guilt, the patterns, the relational patterns, the habits, the, whether it's a, an emotional disorder, uh, a relational disorder, eating disorder, those old unhealthy worldly tools you use to comfort yourself and protect yourself, now that you're healed, you won't automatically react in those ways, but you still know how to use them. So it's a process of learning not to pick up those old tools and to actually really be who you are. We're talking with Ray Light. He's in Annapolis, Maryland. His book, Maturing Into Yourself. Explain to us now functional dysfunction. What's that mean? Well, that's, that's, that's part of the awareness, too, when you become aware of the dysfunctional patterns relationally in your life. And when I, I break out the functional dysfunction is we all have, growing up in our own family, we have our own issues, our own wounds, and there's certain habits, dysfunctional patterns in our life that are unhealthy that we don't even recognize. And what the way I describe functional dysfunction is we get into relationships with people that fit with our dysfunctions. And that's part of the awareness is then you see that more clearly and you have to establish healthy boundaries and relationships. But it's, it's each one of us getting our unhealthy needs met with other people's unhealthy needs is what functional dysfunction is. Now we uh, have to move to this topic. It's called pendulum swing. Uh, Ray, explain. Yeah, that's that's an interesting experience that happens. It's, it's, it's usually, let's just say like you were a people pleaser. We all have our own issues that we're dealing with, right? But let's just say you were a people pleaser, and you get healed from those issues that were causing you to try to people please. What can happen when I say pendulum swing, once you get healed of that, you could swing all the way over to the other side, opposite of that, where you just won't do anything for anybody after a healing, because you're trying to learn. You're, there's, there's an immaturity going on where you're like, no, I'm just not doing anything. And then you'll kind of swing back, and then you might feel bad about not doing anything. You might swing back to a little bit of people-pleasing, and then you swing back to a little bit of not doing anything until you can kind of level out, and eventually your yes can be yes and your no can be no. Uh, now, Ray, we move to uh, letting yourself grieve. Why is that important? Mm. It's so important because as you get healed, you get a revelation of of the things you lost. And sometimes there you lose something that you never really had. But when you can see you thought you had this great relationship or you thought you had this thing and you get healed and you see that it wasn't what you thought it was, and that's still a real loss. And so often, so often in the church, we're, we're trained to deny our emotions and just try to push forward, but we actually have to address that, to grieve, process, and allow ourselves to let go. And, and I have a whole book called Finding a New Normal that talks about grieving, but this is just a little piece of the maturing process. But just, just so you can get back to establishing that new normal and be free. Now, uh, Ray, we move to um, establishing boundaries. Why is that important? You know, you, you can't actually mature into yourself if you don't know the difference between you and other people, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. 
right? We understand physical boundaries, but so often what will happen as as we get healed, we can we can start noticing, like, a lot of things that happen is we like to think other people's thoughts for them, and we can realize, you know, and that's by, like, assigning motives to their behavior or, or we're imposing what we think they're thinking or feeling and how it affects us. So there has to be a boundary where you are you. Who you are in Christ is you. You're responsible for your own thoughts, your own emotions, your own actions, and you can realize that other people have their own thoughts, emotions, and intentions also. So it's that really to be able to separate, to be able to get to know yourself so you can be you. Ray, I'm fascinated uh, with the next four chapters. Uh, let's, let's start right here. Tell me about intellectual boundaries and uh, what does that mean? What's that about? Yeah, and that's kind of what, what I touched on just a little bit on the establishing boundaries is, is so often we, we, we will think other people's thoughts. We'll think, like, what are they thinking about us? Or what are they what, – what, what do people feel about me, right? So it's like we start mixing our thoughts with other people's thoughts, and it really causes a mess. And that's kind of getting back to the people-pleasing. So often – you know, with people pleasing, it's not even, we're not even trying to please the other person. We're just trying to get them to think a certain way about us. And if we can actually have our own thoughts instead of co-mingling with others, we can, we can live in freedom. Uh, let's move to the next boundary. It's called emotional boundaries. Tell us more. Yeah, similar to the the intellectual with with the emotional boundaries it's very often i mean i'm I'm sure you've heard it pat where somebody's like oh you made me feel this way or you made me angry whatever it is no one else has the ability to make you feel anything and and so for us to be able to accept that the emotions i'm having are based off of my beliefs and my thoughts and and understanding that not necessarily what's going on around me or what somebody else is thinking or feeling, it's their mind, and being able to take ownership of my own emotions is that, again. So again, personal responsibility. So we've covered here um, intellectual boundaries, emotional boundaries. Now explain to us spiritual boundaries. What are they? Yeah, spiritual boundaries, it, it can be a little bit even more confusing than the intellectual and emotional in that sense, just because it it's so interesting the things of the spirit. One of the ways that I see uh, spiritual boundaries violated is, is when we we like to take our own actions and our own issues and blame it on the enemy, right? So there's a difference of 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 what the enemy is doing and what we're doing. There's so many different ways that we'll try to take ownership and responsibility about somebody's faith or whether they're even saved, we'll try to own somebody else's faith walk and we'll worry and be afraid for them. So all these things start commingling where somebody else's spiritual walk is their walk. It's not ours. It's not our responsibility. We're responsible for our own. And we can take, we sometimes get mixed up in, in spiritual battle that isn't even ours to do. Um, explain to us then, physical boundaries. You do a whole chapter on that. Yeah, I, I kind of, just this, that's the easiest one, right? I mean, that's the easiest one to understand that, you know, you can't be in, two people can't be in the exact same location at the same time in the same place. It just can't, can't happen. 
But what I do is I break it also out, not just physically in that way, but I take it into time so that you can actually have boundaries with your time, especially because there's such a push in the church for service to do more, to, to do all these things. So, so for you to be able to have an understanding and, and take care of yourself in the sense of how much time do you have to put into something, have a boundary there, or even where you're going, or do you feel safe where you are? Do you, is, it, is it a location you should be? Is this a place you should be? So, so again, location, time, service, being able to actually have boundaries that are healthy for you. And basically, boundaries are based off of your capacity and your needs, not the needs or capacity of others. My guest is Ray Light. Uh, He's in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, The book is called Maturing Into Yourself. And Ray, we've arrived now at uh, topic uh, 13. You call it taking new territory. Uh, can you uh, tell us what that means? Well, yeah, it's like, again, taking ownership, like this this new area, like the promised land is what I break it out to. You know, when, you know, when, when God gave them the promised land and they're, they're, they're heading in there, it's like taking that new territory and, and owning it. And, and again, the Lord doesn't give us more than we can handle more. You know, he, he didn't give them the entire free space so the wild animals don't come and take over and, get them place by place, little by little, as we move into freedom, to be able to own it, accept it, and live out the truth of who we are in that area of our lives and our heart. Now, I want you to explain to us, I think, I feel. Mm. What's that mean? This is, this is another, this one is really just another form of boundary, is what I, what I break out in this this chapter, and just the concept that our thoughts and our emotions are two different things, and we we confuse them, we mix them together, and just so much of our lives could be so much easier if we started understanding the difference between our thoughts and our emotions, and so often what we will do is we will make a thought we have, and we will, we will label it as a feeling, and it was then it'll become a real problem because then we accept it as that's a fact of what's happening. So that's what I mean, just understanding the difference. And I help people with that on understanding the difference between what are they thinking and what are they feeling. The next topic you call getting to know yourself. Uh, why is that important, Ray? Yeah, and I, I don't think if you, if you don't know yourself, you can't be yourself. So it's that little bit of time to get to know that new creation. You know, who we are, who God created you to be. You know, he created you individually, uniquely. You're, you're one of his children. So it's the idea of just really getting to know yourself so that you can accept who God created you to be. Very important in the maturity process. My guest is Ray Light. His book is called Maturing Into Yourself. Ray's uh, joining us from Annapolis, Maryland. We have another segment with Ray, so stay with us. Um when you go up to order his book, Maturing Into Yourself, I just want to remind you, my latest book is out. It's called Every Day is Game Day, a 365-page devotional, and uh, 365 days, and each, each day has a sports story, and then it leads into the uh, devotional part. I think you'll enjoy it. If you're a sports fan, great. If not, you'll still enjoy it, so... Um, Every day is game day. I wrote it with my good friend, Mark Atterbury, 
and uh, hope you find it meaningful. Uh, you're tuned in here to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Uh, we'll be right back with Ray Light. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Now, here's Pat. Ray Light is our guest here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We're talking about his book, Maturing Into Yourself. Uh, Ray, we've arrived at uh, at this topic that I want you to explain to us, uh, self-nurture. What is that? Well, it's, it's probably a... Uh... Uh, potentially uh, interesting topic for the church because we've been so trained to deny ourselves, right? The scriptures there deny yourself and carry your cross, but we've kind of been tricked into denying our new selves and getting into some kind of battle of fighting the desires of our old dead self. So it's the whole idea of just actually nurture is needed for us to be able to. Basically, for us to be able to love others, we need to love ourselves. What the Lord says is to love God and love others as we love ourselves. And that has so often been twisted into just love God and love others, and we forget about ourselves. And the whole idea is, is what I've found over working with thousands and thousands of people, is if, if we can't love ourselves, we're not going to love other people. And if we can't nurture ourselves, we are not going to nurture other people. Now we move on to uh, this same topic. Uh, you call it. Now, now we're going to do four of these. Uh, but tell yeah. us first of all about self-care, physical. Well, the physical is just one of the things. Even I've experienced this with myself. Is after I I experienced some emotional healing, I realized just how much basically I stored up the trauma in my body, and I was stiff, and I just I didn't move my body. I didn't didn't actually know my physical self, so now I'm actually taking care of myself in a whole other way. Because so often when we're hurting and we're wounded, we will use all types, whether you know, whether it's food, whether it's, it's just whatever it is, there's some kind of unhealthy pattern that we may that have affected us physically. And once you get some freedom and healing, you can begin to actually nurture yourself physically so that your body can be in the best possible shape. Then we come to self-care mental. Uh, tell us more. Yeah, it's just the idea of stimulating your intellect. You know, a lot of times, because of the fears we have, the shame or the guilt or whatever, once you get healed of that fear, shame, or guilt, maybe that's the time when you can pursue that thing you've always wanted to do, whether it's you know playing that instrument you wanted to learn, whether it's learning that, that, that other language you've always wanted to learn, but it, you're actually free now to take that step and stimulate your intellect so you can continue to grow. Tell us about self-care emotional. Yeah, this is just really a time of, of you know, even Jesus did this, if you look at this in the sense where he took time away. Right? He was time away from his disciples, time away where he actually, whatever was actually going on with his time away with him and and Father God, there's this, this aspect of us needing to be emotionally healthy so that we don't project our emotions on others or, or cause someone else to be responsible for our emotional health. 
where we can actually care for our emotional health and take personal responsibility for it. And then self-care spiritual. Uh, explain, please. Yeah, and I just, in that one, I just break out the concept of, you know, we, we, we would probably call that spiritual discipline in the sense of, of, of the different aspects of how we can grow in our relationship with God spiritually so that we can be healthy, whether it's communion, whether it's worship, all the different aspects of, of basically the, the, the disciplines that help us develop a relationship with God so that we can be holistically healthy, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And now we get to this interesting topic, building faith. How do we do it? Yeah, I, yeah. Well, well. One of the things that hit me with building faith, and that's that's one of the questions I get a lot with a lot of the identity clients, the identity coaching clients I have, is is actually building faith, trusting God. And one of the first things I, I realized is looking back in the Old Testament is those memorial stones that 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 God always always told them to to remember him by, to set up this. So it's the idea that I help people understand how to take the memorial stones in your own life, those, those miracles that happen, those, those times of healing, whatever it is, whether it's small or large, to actually some way to have some kind of memorial stone, which could actually be a stone, just like in the Old Testament, or it could be a, it just could be some kind of reminder that you have so that you can look back and remind yourself of all the things God has done for you, and that helps build faith. So that's what I help walk people through. I want you to move to uh, this topic. You call it believing in yourself. Uh, tell us more. Yeah, well, the believing in yourself, I actually have one of my guests in this. I have three guest authors that help me, and they are some of the uh, other coaches on our team. And believing in yourself was, was Heather, Heather Wright wrote that one. And it's just some of the foundational things of some steps, you know, with the building faith, with believing in yourself, getting to know yourself, those three kind of tie together at some level. So again, you can, you can actually start training your thoughts, training your patterns of thought so that you can believe in who God is and who you are in Christ is what that chapter is. The next one is simply this dreaming again. I want to hear about this. Yeah, and that's, you know, of course, you know, when you get wounded, you get hurt, you you stop dreaming, you stop believing for these things. Maybe maybe when you were younger, you had these dreams of doing something or dreams of, of getting a degree or whatever it was, but the pain, the hurt, the abuse you experienced kind of shuts you down from that. And now that you've experienced some healing, this this chapter is from our, our dreams coach, Colleen, who... Colleen De Silva, who who helps you, and that's her specialty, is to help you, whether it's it's an aspiration or even understanding some of the ongoing dreams, because God speaks to us in dreams. So either whether it's understanding some of the nighttime dreams you have or how to pursue and dream again for some of the things you have a desire for. The next topic for you, Ray, practical steps to wholeness. Uh, what yeah, are, and what is, are they? This is our... Our, our third guest coach, she is a recovery coach, and she has years and years of experience of working with uh, recovery counseling and recovery coaching to help people, mostly with addiction is what her specialty was. But, you know, after you come out of some kind of destructive situation in your life, 
It's like those practical steps to rebuild healthy patterns in your life when you've had unhealthy patterns is what that is. And the next topic for you, Ray, is uh, when, does, when to pursue more healing. Uh, when do you know to do that? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good one because we don't want to get stuck constantly looking for things that need to be healed, right? Because we're called to pursue the kingdom, right? So we're pursuing righteousness, peace, and joy. That's our goal. We're not pursuing the, the woundedness, right? But what, this is like how to know when to just, you know, keep journeying down the road, living your life, experiencing freedom, peace, and joy, pursuing righteousness, peace, and joy. And then when to notice, like, okay, I, I keep tripping over this fear, shame, or guilt, or this thing just keeps getting in my way. When to, like, it's almost like if you use, I use a car analogy. You know, you're going on the journey. When do you pull off on the side of the road? And, like, let's look under the hood and see what is that smoke coming from under the hood or what is that thump, thump, thump happening. So it's really, like, just so that we don't get stuck looking for problems, I help people understand that our journey is pursuing the kingdom. And then, Ray, as we get towards the end, the importance of discernment. Yeah, it is such... as As you get healed and you can actually start understanding who you are, and we've talked about the boundaries and all these other things. We can start separating our identity from our career or our finances or, or whatever it is. Because when, when we have our identity wrapped up in other things than God, we're unable to, to discern right from wrong in those areas. Like, what should I really do? You know, if you put your identity in your career, you can't discern whether you're supposed to stay in that or do something else. So it's the idea of really being able to discern and make choices from who you are in Christ, not who you are in the world. Well, my friends, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening uh, to author Ray Light uh, talking about his book, Maturing Into Yourself. It's a good read, folks, and uh, Ray's given us some of the highlights, uh, and uh, you just follow up and order that book, Maturing Into Yourself. We've got more after this here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening here to AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Uh, We will be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Ray Light, our guest in that first segment, talking about his book, Reach Maturing Into Yourself. Uh, Ray was in Annapolis, Maryland. We go from Annapolis, Maryland to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And author Eddie Huff is there. His book is called Y'all Have Sinned. How Blaming Others is Not a Winning Strategy. Eddie, welcome to Orlando. It's sure nice to catch up with you. How are you? I'm very well, Pat. Thank you. Uh, what prompted this book to be written? Oh, man. I was a missionary over, uh, believe it or not, I'm a black missionary in Germany. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a part of what I was doing was doing Christian concerts. Uh, I did a lot of, you know, Sandy Patty, Amy Grant, a lot of uh, DC sure. rock, uh, a lot of the rock bands, actually. They're really into the rock, Christian rock over there. But anyway... So, uh, but I also did BB and CC Winans, and I was doing Shirley Caesar, 
And so I'd never met Shirley. And two days before Shirley arrives, all of a sudden, I felt God impressed upon me that I'm supposed to preach after her concert instead of her. Now, for black Christians, Shirley Caesar is actually Saint Shirley. <laughs> she she was the biggest gospel, black gospel artist of her time. This is back about 1990, 91. And so I felt like that Bill Cosby monologue of Noah. Yeah, right, God. And uh, <laughs> so, but it wouldn't go away. So sure enough, I I told Shirley, you know, I met her. I never met the lady. I was introduced to her, and I said, hey, listen, take this for what it's worth, but I believe God wants me to give the message when you finish your musical portion tonight. You pray about it. If you feel good about it, you call me up. So there are about 2,000 uh, American military personnel, black soldiers, their wives, their kids, in this concert hall in uh, in Germany. And I'm, I'm in the back doing the usual thing, you know, with T-shirts and records and things. And uh, my heart is just about to pound out of my chest thinking, you are crazy. Are you nuts? You never met the lady and you expect her to call you up. And what if she really does call you up? You know. <laughs> So next thing I know, she calls me up to come up and and do it. And so uh, the message was basically to black Christians that God has blessed us so much bringing us here. And I know the conditions that brought us here were not favorable, (laughs) being brought as slaves. But everything that's happened since, we are a blessed people if we see it that way. But nevertheless, uh, we don't see it that way. So although our entertainers, our athletes, which you're very familiar with, the athletes, entertainers, and everyone, even even now in the financial area and the political area, have ascended to the heights of the nation, yet we're still pretending we're, we're this oppressed, downtrodden people. We're ungrateful. And what we're really known for in many circles is our vulgarity, uh, the sexuality, all of the negative things. And so this was my message. And uh, she had called all these pastors up on stage, which was an honor. And she had all these pastors standing there on the side of the stage. Uh, And I'm here speaking, and all of a sudden I'm I'm rolling out all of these sins of the, the black church in particular. And I said, you know whose fault it is? And I start pointing at these pastors. <laughs> and and I, I couldn't believe it was like an out-of-body experience, you know. And I'm thinking, I don't you know. You remember the movie Dr. Strangelove? Oh, yes. Or do you remember how he couldn't control his hand and he used to have to beat his hand down? And that's kind of how I felt, like my, my arm in, was pointing at these people. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? But... Um, in any event, this is what started this book. And so the whole book is mainly, it began as a book to the black church and how we want to blame 
and it's 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 gotten to the point where it's really bad. I mean, it's like white Americans or European, you know, European descendants are the cause of all of the ills of black America. And it's just not true. And and they keep and then it's transferred now to European descendants are to blame for Hispanics, Asians, Native Americans, um, Latinos, you name Asians, you, you, you name whatever. It, it's it's so public enemy number one right now is Caucasian. And I, I'm saying this has to stop. This can't go on. And bottom line, the, the, the main sin that I speak of in the book is unforgiveness. And, I, and the crux of it is that until the black community is able to forgive for slavery and everything surrounding that, they will never, ever succeed. They will never break free from the bondage that so many in the communities that languish are. And that's, that is the bottom line. But it's broken up into history, biblical history, world history, and political history. Eddie, so I, I, wanna, I want you to dive into these important topics um, in the middle of your book. The truth about slavery, Christians were not always, uh, nor the only slave owners. Mm-hmm. And then you do a segment on race and racism. Can you cover that for us? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, think about it. Before black, uh, Europeans ever knew there were black people, the average European never knew there was, say, Scandinavians, uh, Germans, uh, people living in Central Europe, Northern Europe. They never knew there was such a thing as a black person. And, and yet they enslaved one another. In fact, I talk about the Viking raids. The Vikings used to go up and down the coast, um, the Atlantic coast, and they would raid the coastal areas and take away slaves back to Scandinavia. In fact, if you look at the, there's a popular show, Vikings, that was on. That I think it's still on television, if I'm not mistaken. And it talks about them taking, especially a lot of the women, and they would enslave the men and the women. Um, the Huns would, would enslave the Goths and the Visigoths and the Romans and this and this and this. So slavery occurred there. If you look at the, uh, even even in, in uh, Amer- the Americas, what we call the Americas today, the uh, Mayans with the human sacrifice, and they would take slaves from the different tribes and things. So it's a human condition. It, it's not anything specific to any race or ethnicity. If you go to Asia, man has always, from the time Cain killed Abel, from the time the Egyptians enslaved the Jews, slavery has been with us. And there has been this uh, desire for some people to enslave others and make them work for others, things like that. So for them to now all of a sudden make make slavery such a big issue. For example, I don't know if you read this specific portion, Pat, but we keep hearing 14 million slaves were brought from Africa across on the transatlantic slave trade, right? 14 million. 
what percentage of those actually ever came to North America, to the 13 colonies? What percentage? 5%. Really? 14 million, 5%. The rest all went to Central and South America. But they never tell you that. They never tell you that. That only 5% of 14 million. The rest, Mexico and, and South America. Uh, the whole, the, the, oh, the 1619 project, it's a lie. Mm. Those were indentured servants. And in fact, the first actual case, legal case that enshrined slavery, lifetime slavery in America, was a case where one of those 1619 indentured servants, a black man from Angola, uh, took a white farmer to court to win his indentured servant back and made him a slave for life. So slavery in America, chattel slavery actually was begun because of a case brought by a black man to enslave another black man. It wasn't white people. It was a black person enslaving another black person. These are all things that people don't know. And have never learned, and it's it, 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 it's sad. It's sad. Um, so much of our history. You go to Africa uh, in, in the black community, for example. A big hero is this person called Shaka Shaka Zulu, and um, there's been movies made. He's been glorified and everything. Shaka, strong black man. He killed three hundred thousand fellow Africans. He was just a, a barbaric person, and he started in Central Africa. And the Zulu are not indigenous to South Africa. This is this is another lie. The the only indigenous people of South Africa are the Hottentots, which is a totally different ethnic group, and uh, which are your Bushmen, your Bushmen, and they're they're a different ethnic group from the Bantu people of, of Central Africa, Congo, Uganda, all of that. And so Shaka took all of these, his people, and they started killing all the way south. You join me or you die. You join me or you die. And by the time he got to South Africa, he was 100,000, over 100,000 strong. And the Dutch were there, and they resisted him, and they actually won. They, they, they pushed him back, and it ended it all. And the Zulu then are now known in South Africa, but the Zulu were not always in South Africa, so that's another lie that a lot of people have been bought, uh, taught and bought into. So there's so many things that aren't known, and it's all in the book. I mean, it's all there. Uh, probably a couple of the most controversial issues, one is the whole issue on Martin Luther King. I don't know if you got to that. And then, of course, another one that uh, the whole gun, the uh, stringent gun laws in California. This is one that always shocks my conservative friends, <laughs> Republicans, that the, the, the strict gun laws in, in California were brought in by Ronald Reagan. He's a <laughs> mm. Eddie, Eddie Huff is our guest. His book is called Y'all Have Sinned. Uh, we've got about two plus minutes before the break. Okay. Uh, tell me about black liberalism. You do a whole chapter on that. Yeah. Um, 
It, it actually began uh, through a man named W.E.B. Du Bois. Yes. There's a big, there was a big conflict between W.E.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington. And it's all really bound up in these two men's ideology. And uh, Booker T. believed in the education of a common, uneducated black person, a farmer, uh, the children of the poverty-stricken, and then you raise them up that way. Education, and, and a big part of it was etiquette, learning how to, in fact, he has a chapter when he was teaching, uh, when he had people come to Tuskegee, Tuskegee University, which he founded in Alabama, uh, one of the courses was the use of a toothbrush mm. <laughs> and a comb, and teaching, teaching black students how to clean up, how to look good, uh, dic- uh, uh, diction, Diction was another big one, how to speak eloquently and so forth, how to look. And uh, Du Bois, he has this theory called the talented tenth. And he felt you were supposed to take the top 10%, the most educated, the most intelligent, and you cull those from the rest of the race, and you focus on them, and you just forget about the rest. In fact, there's a whole chapter that deals with Margaret Sanger, eugenics and how many of these old original liberal black leaders and university professors uh, or leaders and founders followed Margaret Sanger into the eugenics thing and how how many of them believe you were supposed to suppress the race and basically eliminate the undesirable. It's it's, it's shocking, some of this this stuff. It'll just blow your mind. My guest is Eddie Huff. He's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. His book, Y'all Have Sinned. We've got a lot of more interesting material ahead. Stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Uh, Back with Eddie Huff right after this. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Folks, I'll tell you right now, um, you're going to need a lot more time to get everything that Eddie Huff is writing about. <laughs> so, so stay with us and get the book you all have sinned. I don't even know where to uh, go next with you, Eddie, because it's all so interesting. But why don't we do um, um, George Washington Carver and, the, and Dr. Martin Luther King? You do a whole chapters on them. Uh, tell us more. Yes. Uh George Washington Carver was, uh, he went to school at Iowa State University. It's Iowa State now. It used to be just a state, an agricultural school. And he was uh, allowed in. He had to work. He, he didn't have full access like so many uh, of the other students. Um, it, it's funny, the Big Eight in the football since uh, the Big Eight Conference, the school, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Nebraska, those schools, as opposed to the Southwest Conference, FCC, and some of the others, uh, one thing about that group of schools, they allowed black students in early. It was, they, they fought against the segregation early on. But it was still not nice. It wasn't pleasant for a lot of those students. But George Washington came out of there with his degree in horticulture and agronomy. And then he had his uh, 
choice to go to very prestigious other universities on the East Coast. But Booker T. Washington wrote him a letter and asked him to come to Tuskegee University or Tuskegee Institute, let's call it at that time, in Alabama, little black school. And he chose to go there and he spent his entire life there. And he was a very godly, godly man, very Christian man. And of course, most of us know about George Washington Carver and the peanut and, and the sweet potato. And, and oh, in fact, <laughs> one of the things that's in the book where he asked God, God, would you please reveal to me the secrets of the universe? And he said, God told him, he says, George, you can't handle the secrets of the universe, but I'll reveal the secret of the peanut for you. But his upbringing and everything, how he got there, is pretty interesting. It's, it's a really, it is a good, good story, and most people have heard part of it. And, um, but uh, I'm sorry, what was the other question you then asked? Doctor, the doctor, doctor, uh, doctor Martin, oh, Martin Luther King. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, now this, this is the most controversial chapter in the whole book. Uh, and here's where I diverge from most other people. Uh, I, I show in the book that Dr. Martin Luther King was not, Jr., was really not a Christian. Uh, he, <laughs> and, and I do it by his own writings. And, and here's the deal. I mean, I know it's kind of, I, I believe he was a great civil rights activist, all of that. He was a peace activist, a civil rights activist. But when somebody doesn't believe in the virgin birth, doesn't believe in the resurrection, does not believe in the second coming, I kind of think that kind of eliminates you from being a Christian. And, and, that, and, was the, and that was the case with Dr. King? Yes, and it's his own writings. It's in the book. I, I, I reference it uh, in the Stanford University Library or his writings, and it, the, he, he says that he lays it all out there. He says, basically, he came forward to accept Christ because of his sister just mocking his sister when he was six years old. And But he always had questions when he was about 11 years old. He, he's, his questioning grew wise, greater. And then eventually he got into liberal theology and it started questioning. And essentially he thought most of the Christian teaching was myth. Mm. It's just mythology. So basically, essentially, he, he was not a true believer. I guess, let me put it that way, uh, whatever your definition of a Christian was, he was not a true believer. And that's all outlined in the book. And so that that is a radical departure from most people. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, come down against anything the man did. I Also, I, I talk about him being backed by radical elements, labor, the labor uh, movement really back in. In fact, when he was assassinated, uh, people think that the reason he was in Memphis was over racial things, but he was there over a labor strike. Yes. The Memphis garbage men, and they were the black uh, guards. And what had happened, see, the labor movement could not get the black workers to join them because unions were so segregated. 
unions, it was the weirdest thing because your white labor union uh, bosses and, and the rank and file of the labor unions were pretty racist at the time. And so black Americans were very loyal to America, very patriotic. And the labor union could not win over the black populace. So I believe he was used kind of as a pawn, as a tool to, to move that. You have so many, so many, and this is what gets me, a lot of conservative pundits always talk about how Martin Luther King, if he were alive, he would, he would be a conservative. He would, no, no, he's the father of Obama, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson. He, he would be no different. He was already on his way when he was assassinated. My guest is Eddie Huff. <clears throat> Eddie, you do chapters on the Nation of Islam and then the mm-hmm. Black Panther Party. Um, as we come down to the last three minutes, uh, tell us more. <laughs> okay. The Nation of Islam basically is a cult. Uh, I talk about um, Malcolm X. And I believe uh, if you had to choose between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X is uh, more of a a straight guy. He, in fact, I believe he was assassinated for one reason: is because he saw what was going on in the, the use of the black community by the Democrat Party, and by, of course, the black Muslims were were told. He saw that it was it was totally messed up. I believe had uh, Malcolm X lived long enough. He may have become a Christian, but but um, and I, I don't have time to go into it now, or in the I don't even know if I touch in the book. But he really was a very sound thinker, and and he really questioned Christianity at its core. He, he said he even said there's uh, the problem with the only the only problem with Christianity is that its followers have never lived up to the teachings of its founder. In other words, they never lived up to the teachings of Jesus. And uh, so he never found any fault in Jesus. And I think that that's a pretty profound statement. Mm. So, uh, no, that's the one thing. And then as far as the Black Panthers go, this is where the uh, thing with uh, Ronald Reagan comes in. The reason Reagan instituted the heavy-handed uh gun control in California was because the Black Panthers were walking around with guns and they were they were protecting their community against the police and so they were showing open defiance by carrying weapons openly and so Ronald Reagan as governor of California at the time along with the NRA started instituting these gun laws and gun control laws, and that's where it all began. It's really kind of an ironic thing, a funny thing, that that Ronald Reagan and the NRA actually began the whole stringent gun control uh, situation in California, and it came all the way full circle now. We've got uh, 60 seconds left, and I want you to uh, tell us about white privilege, white guilt in less than a minute. Okay, there is no such thing as white privilege and white guilt. Uh, it's, a, it's a boondog with people. Uh, Jesus died to save us, to forgive us for our sins, if we confess him as Lord and Savior. You confess Jesus, 
and accept him as your savior, there's no guilt. There's no guilt. And, and what your parents did, your grandparents, there's no guilt. And you, the only forgiveness you need is that from the Father in heaven. And you can forget about all these other people. And this has got to stop. This white guilt is, and, and that white privilege, there's no white privilege. White kids in Appalachia, white kids in many here in Oklahoma, you've got very poor white children and, and all over, all over America and all over the world. So I, I ask Christians to just reject that. Anytime you hear about white privilege, just reject it. Say they're all God's children and all children need to be helped equally. Folks, my guest has been Eddie Huff. Author of Y'all Have Sinned. We've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Well, folks, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Ray Light, our guest in that first segment, talking about his book, Maturing Into Yourself. And uh, how about Eddie Huff from Tulsa, Oklahoma? Uh, You all have sinned, the name of his book. Uh, Go up to Amazon and uh, pick up copies of uh, both of those fine authors, our guest today. Well, friends, we're still trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando, and you can help. Go up to the website, orlandodreamers.com. Just check it out. See what you can learn there and uh, and sign up. It doesn't cost you anything just to let us know that you're interested and you might have interest in season tickets one day if we can pull all this off. Uh, orlandodreamers.com. Well, folks, we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Stay tuned all day long. God bless. See you next weekend. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time where faith comes by hearing. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.